Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to the Res Life Big Rapids podcast. We're glad you found us, and we hope this message helps shape you into something that looks like Christ. Now let's listen in. ...at this service, not just to come and sit in the chair and, and, and enjoy the service, but to be a participant in what we do. There's all kinds of ministry that happens here at, at the church during the service, from the people who greet at the front doors to people who work in the parking lots, and also people who work in the children's area and all around the building. And so I would encourage you to pray about whether or not God is asking you to step out and, and join into what he's doing here at the church on Sunday nights. Um, this might be uh, uncomfortable for you. It might be weird to think about like standing at the door and hugging people. You may be the kind of person that walks in the front door and like, like moves away from people. Like, who's that guy? I didn't ask him to hold the door for me. It's all right. He has a name badge on. He's a, he's, he's a certified hugger. All right? It's all right. He's had a background check. <laughs> but uh, it might be weird for you to think, maybe you've never been to church where um, where you, know, you got involved, and it's weird to think about being involved. It might make you uncomfortable. But, but the fact of the matter is, 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 is maybe it would be tough or uncomfortable because it's a commitment or because it's something out, out of the norm of your life. But this is it. Sometimes God asks us, asks us to do things that are uncomfortable. Sometimes the things God asks us to do are uncomfortable. And I'm going to make you uncomfortable right now. So I would like everybody right where you're, you're sitting to stand up. Everybody right now, stand up. After you're done filling in your notes, the word you need to fill in is uncomfortable. Now stand up. Everybody stand up. Now that you've stood up, I want you to turn around and grab your jackets and, and, and get your coffee cups or whatever you brought with you. Get them in your hands. Okay, and, and now this is what, what I want you to do. I want everybody who's sitting on the sides of the sanctuary to switch places with the people who are in the middle of the sanctuary. And everybody who's sitting in front, I want to go to the back. And you back people, you're coming right up here with me. Ready, set, go. Now I don't have to have my family right in the front row. The Bible says, love one another. Love one another. <laughs> Look at this. Come on. Come on up to the front row. Come on up to the front row. Yes. Beautiful. They really went all the way to the back. They could have totally cheated. Look at this. Perfect timing. That was awesome. This feels a little different, doesn't it? Being a, hi guys, all you back row people, welcome to the front. It's a great place to be. I spit a little bit when I talk, so my, my family and my wife, they just deal with it. The pastors, they, they understand. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, it's, it's a little different to, to, to sit somewhere else. It's funny, on Sundays, um, we'll get, or actually on Mondays at staff meeting, somebody will go, you know, hey, I didn't see so-and-so there. I'm like, they were there. I saw them in their spot. They always sit in every single Sunday. You should have seen people's faces this, this morning. They were like, you're what? You're what? 
One, one girl was like, I was having like a panic attack. I can't sit. I can't sit in the back. She always sits out here in the front. <laughs> and it's uncomfortable. And, uh, and, you know, it probably took you a minute to try to figure out exactly what you're going to do or where you're going to go. Um, and it feels different to sit where you're at now. And, and this, is, this is the thing, though. I believe God sometimes asks us to do things just so that we can be uncomfortable. I believe he, he'll sometimes ask us to do things that are outside of our comfort zone, and he does it on purpose. He does it, and, and, and the thing about it that we don't like is sometimes it's messy. That was a little messy. You guys were you know, colliding with each other, and it was, it was weird, and you, you, you wing wall people, now you're in the middle. It's really weird, isn't it? If you're used to sitting along the side, um, I believe the sound's better in the middle, but whatever. <laughs> but it can be messy. It can be frustrating. It took a little bit of time. Earlier this morning, I had somebody come up, and they're like, you really took the time, wasted time on Sunday morning to have us move seats? I said, yes, I did. Absolutely. Because it wasn't a waste of time. The thing is, 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 I believe that God asks us to do these things because sometimes it can cause us to experience Him in a different way. It can cause us to be used in a different way. Um, I think when God asks us to do something that's uncomfortable for us, sometimes it'll open doors in our lives that we never even knew were there because we never were challenged to go outside the box. But God will challenge you and He'll do those things. So I want to look at a time uh, when God asked somebody to do something that was outside of His comfort zone. And I want, to, I want to kind of look at what happened and I want to talk about it afterwards. So we'll start here in Acts 9. I want to just preface it with this. Is how many people have heard of the Apostle Paul? Do you remember what his name was before it was Paul? Saul. Okay, so Saul is on the road to Damascus, and he, he's riding, and, and while he's, he's, he's riding, walking, whatever, he's, he's headed to Damascus, and he sees this bright light, and it's Jesus, and Jesus talks to Saul, and Saul becomes blind. You, you remember this? So he makes it to the city, and he gets there, and, and God gives him a vision that somebody's going to come and pray for him. And so this is what happens right after it. You may know this story, but I want to draw something out of it today that maybe you've never thought about. Okay? So we're going to start in Acts 9, verse 10. It says this, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. Everybody say Ananias. Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias. Everybody say Ananias. Ananias. Seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem, and he's come here with authority from the chief of priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. Everybody say go. 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 This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Now just hold it right there. Saul is like the worst guy in the world when it came to God's people. Saul, Saul's whole goal in life was to destroy people who believed in Jesus. And Ananias has been asked by God to not only like go to the same area that Saul was living in, but to actually go to the house and pray for him. Now, just think for a minute. Just, just, just in your brain, imagine for a minute 
that Osama bin Laden was still alive. And he was staying at your neighbor's house. And God told you this and said, why don't you go over to your neighbor's house and go in and ask if you can pray for Osama bin Laden? How would you feel? Do you think you might feel a little bit uncomfortable? Yeah, this is what God was asking Ananias to do. So Ananias goes. Let's read what else it says. Verse 17, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and he was baptized. Now, you should know this. That Saul, also named the Apostle Paul, became one of the biggest players in the Christian faith for all of eternity. Ananias, choosing to be uncomfortable, to go into a situation that was uncomfortable because God said so, helped to bring somebody into the family of God who made an impact on each one of us. And does almost every Sunday, because we almost every Sunday read some scripture that was written by that same guy, Saul, whose name is now Paul. What I think is interesting is that our attitude about what God tells us to do and what we feel in our heart is often like, it's okay, I don't have to do it. If I don't do it, it'll be all right. God's plan is still going to happen even if I don't do it. He'll use somebody else. But what if Ananias would have said no? I don't know if Ananias is a real popular name back then, but who would God have used? Because the vision that Paul had or Saul had was, was of a guy named Ananias who was supposed to come and heal him and that he was going to do great things for God after that. If Ananias would have said no, and then God would have had to come to some guy named Josiah, and Josiah, he shows up, hey, I'm Josiah, and Saul's like, wait a second, what gives? I thought God said it was Ananias. <clears throat> Do you know that your name was not thought up by your parents? Do you know that God knew your name before they decided on it? And that your name is very likely written on somebody else's plan. Did you catch that? Your name, like Ananias' name, is written on somebody else's plan for life. And God at some point is going to ask you to go. The question is, would you be willing to go into an uncomfortable situation so that God's plan can happen? I want to talk uh, today about <clears throat> what, what happens when we choose to make the decision to be, be uncomfortable for God, to, to do what he asks us to do even though it may feel funny, like sitting in the front if you're used to sitting in the back. So I, wanna, I have three points I'm going to make today, and, and so each one I think is, uh, builds on the other one, and I think they're, they're really important. So the first one is this. Being uncomfortable increases our awareness of God. Being uncomfortable increases our awareness of God. Everybody say Awareness. My, uh, my father-in-law is an ER doctor. My, my wife's dad. My wife is in the back row. Hi, babe. Uh, she, 
you guys, he's an ER doctor, and you know, you guys seen that show on TLC or whatever it is, like the real life stories of the ER, right? And everybody wants to watch the show, and you watch these dramatizations of, of things that happen and all that stuff. See, that's how it is every time we eat dinner at my in-law's house. We get our own real life stories of the ER. It's fantastic. And, uh, but, but he would always say, and, and I had to have him explain it to me one day, but he would always say that, that the worst accidents happen on the nicest days. And I'm like, what? He goes, it's, it's terrible. When you're, when you're working in the ER, the worst days are when you're working in the ER on a beautiful, sunny summer day, and you get a call from an ambulance that there was a big accident on the highway. And I was like, why is that? He said, because on beautiful days, people are relaxed in their car. The windows are down. There's no worry in the world that, that they're going to have bad traction or anything like that in their car. They're speeding. And when they get in accidents, the accidents are really horrible. He said, the best days to work, blizzards. And I'm like, really? Speaking of blizzards, uh, my wife and I, we went uh, on, on a vacation uh, without any kids. Woo! For a few days, uh, we, we, went, we went to Arizona, but we flew out of Chicago, and, uh, and we had to drive through that blizzard last, last weekend, last, last Friday and Saturday. It was, uh, it was interesting. Uh, we, saw, we saw tons of accidents, cars in the ditch all over the place. We watched accidents happen. It was, it was totally crazy. It took us six and a half hours to get to our hotel in Chicago. It was, it was totally crazy. But, but her dad says that, that being, uh, on, you know, being on call or being in the ER on winter, really bad blizzard days is the best time to be there. He said, because even though you have a lot of people come in, he goes, almost nobody is hurt bad. He said, because when they're told there's a blizzard and it's an uncomfortable driving situation, they become aware of the danger and they drive slow. And they drive careful. So rarely do people get serious injuries in terrible storms. Because they're aware of the uncomfortable driving conditions. So I think, I think about this with our spiritual lives. And, and when we're navigating through uncomfortable situations, we're much more aware of what's happening. We're much more connected with what's happening. We have the opportunity to become more aware of God's leading. And, and this becomes obvious when people go on things like mission trips or, or like the ladies that just went to Ecuador. They, they said nobody there spoke English and there were very few people. And so you kind of, you kind of have to be in this uncomfortable position to, and, and you see God do things that you can't do because you can't even speak their language. I remember when I was a youth pastor, we took a bunch of our kids to Blue Island, Chicago. It's, it's, a, um, it's a fully Spanish-speaking part of Chicago. It's a pretty rough area. We helped them re rebuild their church. And it was so weird because none, nobody in our group could speak Spanish at all, and nobody in their group could speak English at all. We had one girl who showed up on Sunday who was there to be an interpreter, and, and I, I had to do the message, and I would, I would speak, and then she, I'd hear, blah, 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 over here, and they're all like, mm-hmm, and they'd say amen in other languages. I think that's what they were saying. Um, but it was, really, it was really cool, and we became really aware of God's presence there and God's ability to, to cross the barrier of language because it was super uncomfortable. It was very weird. And we ate things that I'm not sure what they were because they cooked them, <laughs> and, and, and I couldn't understand what it was anyway. But we get in, when we're willing to get in uncomfortable situations is when often we see we really 
are aware of God's presence and his moving in our lives. So the question for you today is, when's the last time you were aware that God was working in your life? Like really aware of it. You might be like, oh, I mean, on Sunday and during worship a few minutes ago when she hit that high note, ooh, I got chills, and that was God, I think. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in your personal life, when's the last time you were aware of God's presence? Maybe we've gotten too comfortable. Number two, being uncomfortable increases our dependence on God. Being uncomfortable increases our dependence on God. This makes so much sense when you think about it. When we get to a place where our ability runs out, where we no longer have the ability to to figure out our life situation, we tend to be uncomfortable and we have to choose to depend on God. It's like this show, intervention. People got to get to rock bottom before they're really willing to change. And this is how a lot of people really end up accepting Jesus into their life. They get into a place in their life where they're, they're, they're so in such a bad place that they have nothing else they can depend on and they choose to depend on God. And they choose to accept the Lord. But the Bible's full of all kinds of stories. I could, I could list tons of different stories um, where people had to depend on God. But to use a really easy, really big one, can you imagine Moses leaving, leading the Hebrew people out of Egypt? You remember, you know, he's, he's going along, and, and under his own ability, you know, he, yeah, he's a guy that can, can say, let's go and let's follow God, and he's got a staff, and he's walking along. But, but off in the distance, he sees water. And he could still keep walking, and he's, probably, he's waiting for like the cloud to move that they're supposed to follow. Like, there's the, there's the water. Why is it still? Why are we still headed towards the water? And he's walking, and he could still say, "Come on, people, let's go." His abilities were good enough. But at some point, he came to the edge of the sea and thought, "Huh, I wonder what we're gonna do next." Because he can't, his ability isn't going to get everybody across the water. He got to an uncomfortable, could you imagine? The people are grumbling. He just let us out here to die. All this stuff is, you know, so things are getting bad. And it's uncomfortable for Moses. And so Moses gets to a point where he has no choice but to depend on God. So he says, what do I do? And God says, put the staff in the water. And he says, well, I have no other choice but to depend on God. And he puts the staff in the water. We all know the stories, right? see parts and they cross the dry land. They're in this uncomfortable position and they need God to save them. The way we function as humans, the way that we function in life is to, to base everything on our own ability. Is, is to, to rarely depend on God. Instead, we depend on ourselves. And usually, when we feel like we can't do something, we just struggle. And we just stay in a place of struggle and frustration. And, and so sometimes God will lead us into something that we don't think we can do. And I, I, I'm going to pick on him because he's still here. Jim, you raise your hand. Now, you've, this is the third service. I'm going to pick on you. Uh, Jim's right there. So what a lot of people don't know is before the service... Um, our, our ministry team, everybody who's a volunteer and who's here for the service, they gather in the foyer in a big circle and they kind of have a rah-rah moment. Um, Pastor Dom you know, pumps everybody up. Hey, people are going to come in for the first time tonight and we need to really show them the love of Jesus. And we, we, you know, we want, we, this is so important. Everybody's position is important. And then what they do is they hand off, the, the, Dom hands off the leadership to one of the ushers to pray over the service. And, and it was really cool this morning because it's the first time that I got to hear Jim pray 
pray for, every, for the whole service. And, and people are scared to pray, right? People are scared. You, God might ask you to go talk to your neighbor and ask them how they're doing, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. You know how it is. Like You, you think, well, well what am I going to say? What if they ask me a, a, a crazy question? I, I, I remember just a couple days ago, we were in, uh, in Arizona and in Phoenix. I didn't know that there was such a huge Mormon population there. But the, Mormon, the Mormons, they're all over the place there, and they go like down the street and try to evangelize to people. And, and so, you know, it's like when you see somebody like that, you're like, I don't know if I'd want to talk to them because I don't, I don't know if I would say the right thing or what to do. And I, we were walking down the street, and this whole group of them came, and I was like, other side of the street, Allison, get, get out of here. And, and so, so it can be scary to think that what, what, if, what if I don't know what to say? Well, if he's in here, you'll say what's right. You can depend on him. He's not asking you to depend on your own ability. He's asking you to depend on him. Back to Jim. So it was really cool to hear him pray. And, and I asked him this in the other services, but was that uncomfortable? Very. <laughs> Very. <laughs> I mean, who wants to pray in front of 40 people and your pastor? <laughs> um, by the way, if you ever go to lunch with me, I will make you pray. I will not pray. I want to hear you pray. Uh, so don't go to lunch with me if you don't want to pray. <laughs> but as soon as he started to pray, Allison, my wife, was next to me. And she squeezed my hand, like acknowledging that this is the first time that we've heard Jim pray over the, the service. And it was so incredible to hear you pray and to hear what you had to say and what was on your heart. He prayed for the people in Florida and the people going through loss at the school shooting. He prayed for people here who are going through turmoil in their lives and that, that, to ask the Lord to come around them. And it was so cool to hear the heart that's inside that guy that, that I didn't get to hear before. And, and it's uncomfortable. And he was asked to do that. And here, here he's now going to have to step into something uncomfortable. When he did it, it was so powerful. He just had to depend on God, and he did it. Give it up for Jim. He rocked it. Jesus says this about God. Uh, in your notes, it says Psalms 19.26. That's a, that was a type, uh, misprint. It's Matthew 19.26. Jesus looked at them, the disciples, and He said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, what? All things are possible. Say that again with me. All things are possible. All things are possible. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are, 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 are possible. I almost said impossible. This is referring specifically, by the way, to salvation. Like Jesus is talking to the disciples about going to heaven. Okay? So he's saying, you as men, you cannot get yourself to heaven. But with God, all things are possible. But I think there's a reason that Jesus said all things instead of with God, heaven is possible. He said all things because all things are possible with God. It's proven in the Bible. We see all these stories of people who, who face impossible odds and God makes all things possible. Moses gets to the sea. It's impossible to make it. He sticks his staff in the water and God makes all things possible. Ananias is going to face the, the scariest person, the mafia leader of killer, you know, Christian killers. And, and instead of it, the, the impossible, God makes how many things possible? We see in, in the New Testament, the apostles going around and praying for people, people who are blind and, and broken and hurt and lame, and, and God doesn't just make a few things possible. He makes how many things possible? All. God makes all things possible. 
He is the God of the impossible. Amen. He rules impossible and makes it possible. When we're comfortable in a situation, this is the thing. When we're comfortable in a situation, we tend to use our own ability instead of relying on God's ability. You know uh, who does not make all things possible? You and me. But we live like we do. We live like we're the one who can make it possible. But we need to rely on God's ability. Psalm 34. I think this is an important scripture. Psalm 34, 19. Uh, because it's important because it's speaking to us, about us. It says, it says this, the righteous person, the Christian, you and me, the righteous person may have many troubles. In other words, you and me, even though we're believers, we're going to have troubles in our life. And it says, but the Lord delivers him or them from them all. So we need to depend on God to deliver us, not 